Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and we're starting at verse 12. And as so often happens, and as I reminded you of two weeks ago, this passage starts with the word therefore. So I can't just start without telling you what the therefore refers to. Because Paul in the previous chapters of Colossians has been talking about how our life in Christ has actually set us free. It's though we're in chains, but our life in Christ has set us free. Previously, our life consisted of lots of do this and don't do that. It was law. We couldn't do this. We had to do that. But instead of do's and don'ts, Paul says, Christ has set us free. Set us free from all that. And so what he wants us to do is put to death all that wells up inside, which is not honoring to him. And he gets to verse 12 and he says, and therefore. So I'll read on. And therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. All right, Paul's now going to come and speak to us. Paul, we've got a bit of a funny microphone arrangement here this morning because it hasn't got enough range there with our new speakers, so you have to sit here and do, stand here and do your best. Okay, fantastic. Well, I think Andy asked me if I'd move it slightly this way. No, just slightly higher. Okay, great. Or not, as the case may be. Great. I'll be very tempted to face this way, but I'll, I'll try and keep looking at you. May I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, um, a minister was very concerned about uh, a member of his congregation who'd been missing for a few weeks and was usually a regular at the um, services. So after a while, he decided to go and visit this person. And um, when the minister arrived at the man's house... He found him all alone, sitting in front of a fireplace. And so the minister pulled up a chair and sat next to him. But after his initial greeting, he didn't say a single word. And the two sat in silence for a few minutes, while the minister stared at the fire, at the flames in the fireplace. And then he leant forward, he took a pair of tongs, and carefully picked up one burning ember from the flames and placed it on the hearth. Then he sat back in his chair, still silent. His host watched in quiet reflection as the ember, taken aside from a fire, flickered and faded. And before long, it was cold 
and dead. The minister then glanced at his watch and announced that he needed to leave. But first he picked up the cold ember and placed it back in the fire. Immediately it began to glow again with the light and the warmth of the burning coals around it. And so as the minister rose to leave, his host stood with him and shook his hand. And then with a smile on his face, the man said, Thanks for the sermon, Pastor. I'll see you in church on Sunday. If the fire of our faith is to glow, we need fellowship with one another. We need fellowship with other Christians. Without it, it's easy to grow cold in our faith, to feel isolated and alone. And in these verses, we're reminded of some of the things that can help us to find strength as we meet together that will strengthen us as we go out into the world and live our lives day by day in the places God has called us to. The passage starts with some verses which call us to learn what it means to be God's holy people. And it's important to remember that these letters of Paul's are not written primarily to individuals, they're written to communities. And so much of our learning happens in community. Nigel's already hinted that in Colossians 3 there's a strong emphasis on a call to holiness, living lives which honour Christ and honour one another. And that doesn't always come easily. I don't know about you, but I can, I can do a bit of selfishness. I can do a bit of pride. Sometimes a good bit of jealousy. A bit of greed. But what about those other things that are listed? How am I at compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience? But as we meet together around God's word, as we share our lives and stories together, we can sharpen one another up in those areas and in other aspects of Christian living as well. And uh, we can learn from all sorts of different people. I was um, sharing with a few others um, the way after the summer youth camps, I was chatting to, well, Angie's son, in fact, chatting to Dave Muller. Uh, about his experience of the camps, and he was saying just how encouraged he was. We'd taken five or six of uh, young people from here and um, other churches locally. And Dave said the biggest encouragement for him was that in the build-up to the camps in the few weeks previously, he'd been praying every day for each of these young people, that they might meet with God, that they might grow in their faith. And he'd seen on the, on the camp that that had happened and faith had really come alive. And just hearing him speak those words, that, that challenged me. I thought, was I praying every day for these people? The answer was no. Sometimes as we meet together, as we share of our own experience what God is doing, we can challenge one another, encourage one another, build one another up, call each other to rise to greater things in our faith and in our living. Maybe we can each think of a time when another Christian's words or actions have challenged us, have helped to sharpen our own witness. One of the main ways, though, in which we learn is as we engage with God's word together. And we've got this wonderful verse, Colossians 3.16, 
Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. In fact, Ian, I wonder if we could get that particular verse back up, that particular screen, verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. There's some pretty amazing 316s in the New Testament. The most famous one, of course, is John 316. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. The heart of the gospel message. If you were to go to Ephesians 3.16, you'd get part of Paul's wonderful prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. If we went to 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Wow, what a verse. And then on this uh, Sunday, which in the Christian calendar has actually been earmarked Bible Sunday, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. Go and have a look at some of the 3.16s of the New Testament and be inspired. But today's 3.16, Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. Especially pertinent in the midst of this series on whole life worship. The message of Christ is no flippy floppy, take it or leave it, half-baked collection of nice ideas and dreamy pleasant thoughts. It's life-changing and powerful and inspiring. And we imbibe it as we study scripture on our own, as we make a priority of individual time with God and his word. We ingest it as we meet together in small groups, unpacking it together and applying it to our lives. And we embrace it as we gather together week by week in this place. And God's message, Christ's message, dwells in us. It comes alive in us, inhabits our worship. And did you notice how Paul highlighted the ways in which we go deeper with God as we sing together? Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. We owe a massive debt to the psalmist, to David and others. We have that Hebrew hymn book, psalms of praise, psalms of confession, psalms of lament, psalms for every situation, honest personal approaches to God. We also owe a massive debt to the Wesleys, uh, Isaac Watts, uh, John Newtons, uh, Graham Kendricks and uh, Matt Redmonds, uh, all of those hymn writers and songwriters down the centuries, those who write worship songs today. Many have written songs packed with insight and spiritual truths. And I don't know about you, but I find it easier to recall words that I sing, words put to music, than words simply lifted from a page. And putting words to music helps us to memorise scripture and memorise some of the great truths, to understand more fully the great truths of our faith. I wonder what your favourite hymn is. I guess mine would probably be When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, 
with that incredible verse. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Not only does that contain the essence of the Christian message with the, the news of Jesus dying on the cross, but it picks up on words of Scripture. It picks up on words from Philippians 3, verses 7 and 8, where it talks about our richest gain being counted loss. I consider everything else rubbish. And as we build up a treasury of spiritual truth as we sing these songs together, that has a knock-on effect of resourcing us for our daily life. If I'm out in the country walking with dog on my own or with friends, the tune I'm most likely to hum is How Great Thou Art. When through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees, etc., etc. When I'm reflecting on some of the challenges of life, some of the tough stuff, the song I'm most likely to go to is, is that one, Oceans, which reminds us of God's presence with us through the tough times, through the challenging times, strengthening us, uplifting us, being there for us. Whether the words are directly from Scripture or whether they just have the, the essence of a message, they can inspire and build us up. You've got songs like um, The Lord's My Shepherd, straight from Scripture, based on Psalm 23, whether that's the, the old version, the Crimean version, so many are familiar with, or the modern version of the chorus. I wonder which songs you find yourselves humming or singing in the shower or in the car. Why not turn to the person next to you and uh, just tell them which, which Christian song is it that you're most likely to go to? Just for a few moments, turn to the person next to you and we'll see what variety we've got. Okay, I wonder, before you, before you move on, start talking about what you're having for lunch. Um, what are the songs that you're most likely to be humming, singing, whatever, the ones that immediately come to mind, which help to sustain you in your faith? So what have we got? One or two, just shout out. Someone from over there in the side, first of all. Faithful one, so unchanging. Ageless one, you're my rock of peace. Yep. Amazing Grace, that John Newton uh, classic. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And can it be that I... I think we were singing that. I don't know, something else. Is that the name of Jesus we were singing? And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's love? Dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive our foolish ways. Oh Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. All the great classics coming out. Love divine, all love's excelling. What about the balcony? Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Be thou my vision. Anyone over there? Now thank we all our God. Just as I am without one plea. Great is thy faithfulness. Ten thousand reasons. 
We could just have a sing-along. We could spend the next hour just singing some of these, couldn't we? But they're songs that are rich, rich in their vocabulary. And they just help us to draw near to God. And, you know, maybe sometimes when we're just humming them or singing in the shower, we're not quite sort of taking in the, the words and the depth, but there's something about engaging with Scripture as expressed in song which is really powerful and fulfilling and engages us. Bless the Lord, O my soul, straight from Psalm 103. Tell out my soul the greatness of the Lord, words taken uh, based very strongly on Mary's song, what we call the Magnificat. So many different songs and hymns of our faith. And Paul says, speak to one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And music's such a powerful medium, isn't it? It connects with our emotions and our moods. I'm sure there's quite a few secular songs which lift our mood in some ways, that we enjoy singing in the car. But how much more uplifting is that song that expresses our love for God, which which connects our soul with our Creator, with our Saviour? And that brings us to a place where we're better able to live out the call of verses 12 to 14, that call to holy living in this passage. And also the call which follows, the call of verse 17, where Paul writes, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I guess sometimes as we go through our working week, or our living week, our serving week, we find that we can get a bit swamped with all sorts of things to do. But how our spirit can be lifted by the words of some of these songs. Let's just see this brief video. Head down, grit teeth, rung on another week. Monday mornings, mundane job and tasks. Eat, work, tweet, graft, sleep, repeat. Late nights, early nights, keeping balance right. Dinner, dishes, washing, bed, bath, morning light. Concentrating hard, throwing myself in. Lift my given hands to work and losing touch with what's within. Each day, a gentle numbing. Sunday. Gathered church, gathered people. Gather myself to worship. Lift my heart. Breathe deep, invite you into the week. Lift my given hands to work and touching heaven as I do. Lift my hands to work and work's an instrument of praise. Your abiding presence filling up my days. Turn my eyes to you and your delight compels my tasks. Lift my heart to worship, lift my heart to bask in your warmth. Even in busyness, I'm stilled in you. When scattered, you're with us, and we are in you. This whole emphasis on living as whole life disciples arises out of our hearts and minds being full of worship. We don't leave our songs and our scriptures here when we leave on a Sunday morning. We take them out into the world And our living then becomes a heart response 
to who God is and what he's done, not just a head response that says, I ought to do this. Worship transforms our ordinary actions. There's a couple of verses in Hebrews 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Much of that encouragement comes through our conversation with one another, through sharing scripture together, through worshipping in song together, through the visual reminders such as the bread and the wine. And so let's value our rich tradition and make the most of all that it offers us. And let's not leave our songs and words of scripture in this building on a Sunday. Let's take them with us into our week. And let's lift our voices in praise. Three times in this passage it talks about being thankful. We have so much to be thankful for. Praise God.